listen to them. Children of the night. What music they make. We're back with another episode of The Gory Details, the series where we interview horror figures from all walks of life and give them an opportunity to speak about their experiences. As per usual, I'm Palmer, and today we've got someone we're incredibly excited to talk with. She's the author of The Unfleshed, Tale of the Autopsic Bride, and owner of Stitch Mile Publications, and her name is Lisa Vasquez. Lisa, thanks so much for coming on the podcast today. It's really wonderful to finally speak with you. How are you? I'm great, and it's such a pleasure to be on. Awesome. Uh, so I've got to start with the uh, obligatory questions first, right? Uh, sure. Have you have you always been a horror fan? Always. I think since I was very young, I've been a horror fan. So what got you into it? Uh, originally, it was actually my uh, stepfather, and he used to really be into special effects like Frankenstein, the mummy, things like that. So all the silver screen monsters. And I remember being very young, and we had... A projector in our house so we would watch them together and so I wouldn't be scared he would explain them all to me and that kind of led to everything else that we would watch and of course Saturday matinees were spent with him watching Godzilla so I think at first before my brother came along I was the son he never had <laughs> <laughs> I gotta say he sounds like one cool stepdad uh, yeah. what are what are some of your go-to genre pieces books movies games uh, so I, I read a lot and I love to read horror and I love to read fantasy. And I think a lot of that comes through in um, how I write. As far as movies and things like that, I like movies that really make you think. So movies that aren't very obvious, if you can twist it up a little bit, I really love those. If I can be shocked at the end, those are probably my favorite. Okay. Um, I I am a gamer, so I love to play role play games, um, mostly D&D style RPGs. Um, right now, my current crack is Neverwinter. So if y'all are oh, on there, okay. all right, all right. <laughs> but I play a little bit of everything else. Um, I used to play WoW back in the day and things like that. So I think it's part and parcel of you know um, being a writer. There's a lot of um, storytelling in gaming, so that's why I like it. Oh, absolutely! I, I have to I have to say I agree. I uh, I'm in the middle of of playing a and D type game myself right now. Uh, Divinity: Original Sin Two. Have you had a chance to play that yet? I have not had a chance to play that. Actually, I I haven't even played on Neverwinter for a while. My my clan is wondering where the heck I'm been. <laughs> <laughs> um, I strongly suggest picking up uh, Divinity. It's even got like a game master mode where you nice. can like actually kind of like one person will be the game master and then you're dictating the dice rolls and all this other stuff. Like it's really in depth. It's awesome actually. Um, but I got to ask, you know what, since we're on the subject of fantasy, what are some of your favorite fantasy authors? Um, you know, I, I haven't really picked up too many right now. And to be honest, I, I, it's shameful, but um, I'm reading the book and I can't remember the author's name. <laughs> oh, that happens <laughs> but to me all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Three Crowns series. So anything that has to do with, um, obviously, I'm the unsaintly queen. So anything that has to do with the monarchy or things like that, um, probably my favorite. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. I, uh, I, I'm trying to remember the. Look, look, I'm doing just as bad in terms of, of <laughs> trying to remember <laughs> author names and everything. Uh, That's all right. I feel so bad now. <laughs> I mean. I'm, 
because you know there's you know um you know the game of thrones and things like that so i do love those very much uh i don't have when i read um sometimes i don't have a lot of time to read the big books like game of thrones um you know so i'll do audio for that Mm -hmm. but i love um you know of course uh anything that's D and D style. So we have Drist and things like that. Um, those are up there on the top of my list. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, I feel like, you know, when it comes to, to heavy hitters like game of Thrones, those are, those are revered by most anybody with any fantasy fantasy sense. Uh, but tell us a little bit more about yourself, you know, where you come from and what, what started you kind of, of being on the path of an author. So I'm originally from Chicago, Southwest side. Okay. And, I actually came from a really bad neighborhood. We didn't have a lot of money. Uh, so a lot of time was spent in the house. And my, like I said, my dad was very creative. So we didn't really miss anything. Uh, matter of fact, when I go back and visit, I, I wonder how in the heck I made it out, you know? Um, but the cool thing is, is that we, in that system, you would think that the school system would be really bad, but we had this great school system and we had this great teacher um, we went through one through eight all together. So if your kids in the neighborhood, you pretty much grew up together. Right. They went kindergarten through eighth grade in, in one school. And then most of us went to the same high school together. So all of my friends that I've kept in contact with, we've been friends since I was nine years old. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them were actually into writing. And that was due to one of our teachers. Her name was Miss Reese. And what she would do is she would read to us for an hour a day. And then she would actually have us do creative writing. So she would start the story off or she would give us, you know, a little introduction. And then we would finish the story for her. And it was the coolest thing because, you know, you're starting off with the same um, source and then everybody gets to see how the story ends in their own terms. And I think that's where my entire love of writing actually came from. Uh, And of course, I lost a lot of friends in that neighborhood. Like I said, it was a pretty bad neighborhood. We were in uh unclaimed gang territory so uh, okay yeah we had uh actually wasn't far from cabrini green so if anybody's watched um Candyman, that's pretty much really close to the neighborhood that we were in we we're actually oh wow Mar- that's crazy we were actually in marquette park and um up I'm, I'm gonna date my age here so um back then we still had kkk marches obviously um having last name vasquez my mom was like no you got to stay in the house so a lot of time was spent in the house, even in the diverse neighborhood that we were in, and writing just became my escape. And that's where pretty much it all started from. Well, I mean, that's that's a terrifying beginning, but I, I think it I think it has a happy ending so far. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's craziness. I mean, we did a we did a a Candyman episode uh, a while back, and doing all the research on on everything that happened in, in Cabrini green in real life was just, I mean, it's, it's harrowing. Um, and, and to, to speak with somebody that was so close to it. I mean, I can't imagine the struggles that you went through and it's, it's amazing. Like you said that you managed to pull yourself out of there. Um, that's, that's incredible. I applaud that. Uh, you've got a whole bunch of, of collections and anthologies. Um, so tell us a little bit about kind of how that process works. Um, do you collaborate with these authors or are they kind of short stories that you submit to publishers and editors that end up being part of collections? How does it work? Uh, so what I like to do is I like to be a little bit different. There's a lot of 
repetitive things in anthologies. And that's not to say it's bad because if people like it, they're reading it in their sales and that's great. But for me, I like to always think outside of the box and I think there's a market for that. So if you, if you put out something that, you know, people aren't used to seeing, you, you get a little bit of pushback at first, you get a little bit of hesitancy on that, but then eventually they come around. And I think that we, you know, just fill that small little void of, of what's missing in the horror genre. So, and again, like I said, I'm not saying that it's bad because everybody loves zombies and everybody loves, um, you know, certain niche in horror that no matter how many books you put out, you can't fill it. You know what I mean? But for us, I think what we're trying to do is um, maybe stretch our legs a little bit and, and test ourselves. So we, we think outside that box. So when the zombie um, I mean, there's always zombies, but I think this past couple of years, zombies has really saturated the market. So, yeah. we're like, you know, what if we did something a little bit different? Like, I don't know, let's pit our favorite monsters against zombies. And we we put it out. And my goodness, I don't even think I could keep up with it at first. I, I think I bit off more than I could chew, to be honest with you, because the influx of people coming in with stories that were written, um, some most of them were written ex- for this anthology and some of them were actually things that people had in their stock just waiting for the perfect you know place for it so we gave it a home and then we uh we had so many as a matter of fact and i loved so many of them i said you know what let's put out the second volume right away and so that's what we did and now we're actually um just finishing up open calls for the third volume of monsters versus zombies and we're almost just as full as we were before so people actually really love that Um, the other thing is, you know, like I said, we try to think outside the box. So sometimes when I do the open calls, what I'll do is I will give it a little, little bit of, um, specifics. So I'll say it's got to be this time frame, or it's got to be, you know, this particular idea. And it narrows it down because like I said, people will write and write and write. And a lot of times because the market is saturated with certain ideas, they've got those already ready for anthology submissions. They know, you know, give it a couple months, there's going to be one out here, I can throw that out there, which is a good thing, because I always encourage authors to, you know, submit as much as they can to anthologies. It's how people will find you. But for us, um, without saying that we want it to be, you know, a first write or um, anything like that, if I make it a little bit more specific, people will tweak their story and I get an original story. Okay, and, that, and I think that works best for us, and it also makes the, like I said, makes the author think a little bit, and um, really, it's an exercise, you know. So that's what I try to do, and it, and it, it helps us stand out just a little bit from the crowd. All right, yeah, I'd, I'd say that's that's original enough. Now, when you say monsters, do you mean like like famous movie monsters, or or uh, just kind of like generic versions? Um, for the first one, we had some pretty, ex- like, we were all over the place with it. And I just, I really wanted them to, you know, dig deep and, and come up with their favorite, whether it was vampires, whether it was, you know, um, werewolves, whether it was, you know, zombies versus themselves in a different way. Uh, so I just left it up to them at that point. I was like, just give me your monsters. And so for the second one, we did the same, like I said, it was the same call. We just had so many, we took it over to volume two for the third one i just asked for bigger and badder so if you want to throw godzilla in the mix or you know kaiju or whatever you could do that Mm -hmm. and i just like i said i just left it open to them and was like have fun with it now do you run into any i guess rights issues if you start using stuff like godzilla or or, or honing in on particular i guess 
characters? Right. So you obviously couldn't use the name Godzilla. We'd have to use like, you know, big giant turtle monster or big giant <laughs> monster or something like that. Right. Um, in, you know, there, there are some that we can get away with, but others, you know, we're, we try to be very careful and respectful of others' rights. Right. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. I, I just, uh, I, I get fearful when, when Indies, anything starts to say that, that they're, that they're looking towards, uh, uh, inspiration from anything big. It's just my, I, I've right. heard so many horror stories of, of places getting ceases and desists and that kind of thing. And like, you know, I just, I, I'm never sure when it comes to that. Yeah, it's so funny that you brought that up because I actually was having a conversation um, with one of my authors who had mentioned something in the book. Like, we come across this all the time. Authors want to use lyrics. They want to use certain things. And it's like, you know, it's disappointing to them because I come back and say, you know, you can't do that. Or, you know, um, you, you can't use that name or because it, it's a brand. It really is. So right. we just about that and the problem is that it's like you said it's so rampant in this industry that um sometimes indies will do things and they just don't know the legalities of it and it's our responsibility you know to know that so i really have to applaud my team because they caught it right away and we most of the time will catch a lot of things that you you just can't you can't do and we protect the author because that's our job right okay and i think i you know i think that's one of the the great things that i've heard about about your publisher their publishing house more more than anything else is just the fact that you guys mm. seem to be so harboring of both talent and uh i guess protective of of it as well um do you uh well there actually there's there's one collection of stories that i saw in particular that that said that it couldn't be more than like 100 words um ah <laughs> <laughs> that was- one i wrote for kevin kennedy it's called drabble uh-huh. so this is it's a hundred word flash fiction, and uh, that was so much fun, and it was very challenging. I think uh, you know he came up with a great idea for that because um, flash fiction is is pretty big, and in, in, especially in indie. So a lot of times, you know, you'll have release parties and things like that, and people will come out with um, you know, here's a photograph, write me a flash story. And like I said, I started this back in fourth grade, so it's kind of like. Yeah, it brings me back to my roots. But it is challenging because a complete story has to be in those hundred words. Um, but I cannot take credit for that. That's actually Kevin Kennedy's. I just had a story in his. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, I, I wasn't sure when I was searching through your... your yeah, you have such a, a such a <laughs> elaborate catalog up on Amazon. It was hard to tell what was what. But the, no. I was impressed by that. It seems like it was like an exercise that was kind of like taken to the next level, mm-hmm. uh, collecting all these stories. And, and being a, a, a former English major myself, just the, the, the <laughs> idea of having to write a hundred words, yeah. that sounds very daunting. It's that- Sounds easy, right? But the, but then when you start doing it, you're like, man, you know, it has to be exactly 100. Now, some of them get a little bit lenient. And they'll say, okay, maybe 105. But to be very strict about it, it's got to be just 100. And if you want to get even harder, some of them will say 100, including spaces. So Ooh. it's, yeah, it, it's almost like doing a New York Times um, puzzle. But it's okay that you mentioned that. I'm not offended because actually a lot of the Stitch Mile um, authors are in that. So shout out for that. And it actually hit number one in the UK. So we're really proud of that. Oh, awesome. Okay. All right. Um, so let me ask you, what's your approach, I guess, to writing short, are there differences in your approach to, to writing short stories versus your, your novels? And what, what, what is that like? So short stories are actually harder for me than writing a novel. Um, I can write a novella, I think. Okay. Um, but when it comes to short stories, I feel like I get boxed in. So I'm more of a, 
a kind of a hybrid of seat of the pants and then planning at the same time. So I've come up with a couple strategies when I'm doing them and I pass them on when I'm mentoring. So I usually will go and get like a, it looks like a checkerboard um, that I draw on my, my whiteboard. And then I take sticky notes and I, I post them on there. So I'm actually kind of looking at a storyboard of my story and I'm like, okay, I have this much room. How am I going to work that? And a lot of times it works pretty good for me. And then it allows me to, you know, stretch out a little bit here and there, but I at least know I'm starting here. I need to include these and then I got to end up over here somewhere. And like always, you know, stories take on a life of their own and uh, the sticky notes allow me to take it off and put it back, put something else back on there. <laughs> um, okay. The, the, well, you being the owner of stitch smile, uh, mm-hmm. we've had the pleasure of speaking with some of your other authors under your wheelhouse. Uh, the listeners might remember us, us having uh, Ezekiel Cade, uh, he did a guest spot with us a while back. So let me ask, how do you how do you find your talent? When we first started, actually, I started getting everything together to build this company in August, and I wasn't going to say anything until I wanted to do it January first. You know, start the new year off and make my announcements or whatever. And somehow, the word got out. And I'm not complaining. I was trying to keep it under wraps, but I, and I'm not complaining. But the word got out and. Before I even had my dot com email address, I had emails of submissions being thrown at me. Oh, wow. So, yeah. And again, not complaining. I just, you know, it's a learning curve. And a lot of the stuff that I was learning, I was still fresh and new and I'm learning every day. So, you know, that that occurs all the time. I think every time I wake up in the morning, I'm like, wow, I just learned something new. But, you know, when when that started, Uh, I had a lot of them thrown at me because they were frustrated with the industry. Um, And now a lot of them will come to me because of word of mouth. Uh, A lot of our authors actually reached out to their friends and colleagues and said, hey, you know, we we really enjoy being in Stitch Smile, so you should come check us out. For me, um, that was probably the most flattering thing that occurred because, I, I mean, I, you know, I'm, I've been in business for a really long time for myself and I, you know, I've, I've had to market myself and I've done sales jobs. So I'm like, you know, I can sell you anything, but if my peeps are happy and they're talking, then I don't have to do anything, you know, right. Uh, try to, I try to let it stand on the quality itself. We're not perfect by any means. We make mistakes, but the amount of time and, um, devotion that we give to our authors, hopefully, you know, that shines through in what we do. Like I said, nobody's perfect. We do make mistakes, but at the, the, the most that I can do and the best thing that I can do is not only own up to it, but to keep getting better as I go. So if I'm teaching them to keep learning and to keep doing what they're doing and to stick at it and not give up, then I've got to do the same thing and lead by example. Right. Right. And I think, you know, I think it shines through in, in your writing. Um, and especially some of the stuff that, that, we had read that uh, Zeke had submitted because um, he had submitted us some before and afters kind of uh, mm-hmm. of of some of the things that he had been working on with you. And uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's a, there's a night and day difference between what he did, I guess, where <laughs> he started versus after you kind of took your editing pen to him. So I've got to ask, you know, what's that what's that process like from you or for you going from from author to editor? Actually, I don't quite call myself an editor. Um, I don't want to wear that hat. Okay. <laughs> um, but I, and, and that's just because our editors are so 
skill that I'm, I'm just not at that capacity yet. What I do is um, I mentor. So my job really is when an author comes in and they're looking to, you know, submit their story. If I love the idea, if I love the story, but it's not quite, you know, up to par, what I'll do is I'll say, hey, look, how about we mentor for, you know, four to six weeks, you know, or as long as it takes, as long as you're willing to give me. And I help you develop the story so that when you do submit it, then, you know, we can work on it from an editor process. But, you know, a lot of independent authors are coming to the table and they're not getting that sort of um, helping hand. They're not getting that person that's going to say, look, I'm, I'm putting my hand out to you. Take it. Let me help you. Um, and I think in especially in this industry, it's something that is really necessary. And I took that from um, the Horror Writers Association when they offered mentorship um, you know, quite honestly, I had a hard time with it at first because there's such a need for it that it really wasn't available in the capacity that I needed. So I was like, you know, I'm going to get a little bit of um, help from here. And uh, John Polisano, who is the VP of HWA, actually helped me out a lot. And so I had uh, Mark Tufo help me out a little bit. I had Heath Stallcup help me out a little bit. And so I was like, I'm going to return that favor because they didn't have to do that, mm -hmm. you know. And this industry, it's really hard to get somebody who's going to tell you um, the truth about things because I think they feel threatened. You know, right. it is a very cutthroat industry. And just to get noticed is kind of like if you want to go on American Idol. You know, you, you're in a crowd of all these faces and they all know how to sing. Well, some of them. And, you know, you're <laughs> going to out in that. So what I did was I was like, I'm just going to give back. And. I don't have any secrets. If I know how to do something and you want to learn how to do it, I'm going to show you how to do it. Now, we have our own style and we have our own ways of, you know, running our company. But what secret about writing? You know what I mean? So for me, the biggest joy I get is when I take somebody under my wing and I'm like, you've got this in you. I'm not writing the story for you. You're going to do it. And I get them to open their voice up. That's an amazing thing to see. It's like watching your child grow. And I don't mean that in a condescending way. It's just really brilliant. And uh, they gain confidence when that happens and then they just go for it. And it's probably one of the most rewarding things that I've done outside of the company. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I, I can imagine it's uh, it's it's amazing watching anything go grow, I guess, when it's especially when you're mentoring and, and offering mm -hmm. feedback and that kind of thing. I, I would assume most of the authors respond pretty well when you give them that kind of, of feedback. I would say about 95 percent of them do. Sometimes they get a little iffy or they're, you know, kind of set in their ways. And you know what? That's that's OK. You know, mm -hmm. not for everybody. Right. Right. Um, so how many total do you host now? Um, you mean as far as authors that I mentor or how many authors in Stitch Smile? How many authors are in Stitch Smile? Uh, you know, I, I don't have a count, to be honest with you. I think probably I would say just a guesstimate is about 20. Okay. I mean, it's probably a good thing that you're, if you're losing count, it means you've got a lot <laughs> under there, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so what's it like, uh, publishing independently? Tell us about that process. It's a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> Well, like, I guess what's it, what's it, uh, I can imagine it is a nightmare first off, but, uh, like how, how does it, how does it go, I guess, in terms of distri distributing, uh, print versus digital, that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, it's, it's an evolving, it's an organic living creature actually. And it's, it's almost like a sea monster, you know, because 
the seas are nice and calm one day and then the next day, you know, you're fighting for your life. And, and that's reality. Um, every day I, I wake up, you know, I have to make sure that, um, you know, I've done my marketing. I have to make sure that I've, I've followed up on things that I was supposed to follow up on. And this is not an industry that you can be in if you're not self-motivated to, you know, be successful. Uh, I have to keep reminding authors, you know, I know it's redundant, but you've got to stay relevant and you've got to, you know, do certain things to do that. You can't disappear for a couple months and expect that people are going to buy your book. And if you're not excited about your book, then nobody else is going to be excited about your book. And I think there's a lot of expectation, especially for indie authors that, you know, um, they do all the work. Well, it's, you know, we do a lot of the work, but, you know, even Stephen King has to go and market himself. So, setting the reality to the expectation. Um, I try very hard to do that in the beginning before I even bring them on. Like, you know, look, we're going to hold your hand through a lot of this, but you know, you've got to, you've got to set your feet to the ground and run. Mm. So we'll give you the tools to learn how to do it. And we'll do the big things like putting the ads in the magazines and contacting reviewers, but you've got to be talking to them too, because these reviewers, you know, it's yeah, it's nice and it's cool that it's and impressive that I send them, you know, press kit and I send them letters and stuff, but they get thousands of these, thousands of them. And, you know, all I all I can tell them is just keep talking to your readers, just keep engaging them. Go to meet and greets, go to festivals, you know, talk about it all the time. You don't have to be in their face all the time, but you know, the opportunity will present itself if you let it. Right. Um it's a matter of just repeating myself over and over again, um, learning the right questions to ask when going into distribution distribution has been the biggest learning curve because, you know, they think, Oh, I, I I'm on Amazon. Well, that doesn't mean that the bookstore is going to carry you. And it's like, okay, well now I'm going to go to, for example, Ingram spark or lightning source. And I'm going to go there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you just, you assume that if you ask a question, they're going to answer or guide you through it. No, that doesn't happen. You have to ask. It's like talking to a lawyer. It's like you got to ask the right questions because if you don't, you know, you're not going to get the answer. And, you, you know, you're trying to do this while, you know, blind in a dark room. Right. So um, <laughs> that really does sound like a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, it is, it is. And so the biggest thing that I, I, I would say is, establish yourself a network of people and who are willing to share. So if you're willing to talk about things like, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm going to, for example, I'm going to Ingram spark. I'm um, having some issues, share the knowledge with somebody else. If they ask or, you know, Hey, did you know that if you did this, this, and this, because listen, there are, you know, hundreds of thousands of books on Amazon I don't think your neighbor is really going to be that much competition for you. I really don't. And the way people read now is voracious and, you know, they have everything's ac accessible on digital and, and audio and books and whatever. And they're buying books left and right. The, the bookstores are coming back. So there's no, there's no competition. There's really not. And people have to get over that. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, there, there's, it's getting kind of to the point where you have to market yourself in absolutely anything, right? Like there's, there's, there's just with, with the advent, uh, I guess as things get easier for people to do things by themselves, it gets 
it kind of overcrowds everything. Overcrowd might be mm-hmm. crowds the wrong word, maybe, but it's oversaturates might be the better, the better expression. Uh, so I think there's like you know competition versus uh, everybody, but I also think it's probably a good thing if it, if it keeps people going, keeps people motivated, then that can't be wrong, right? <laughs> right? If you establish yourself with a good network, for example, um, you know I I met uh, James Chisholm from Nerdfest, and I met uh, Jay Mazer and Jessica Rainey through this um, avenue with Billy Stewart. We have um, our own, a brand new horror con in Houston. So it's called called Scary Dads. And it's a very small, it's right now, it's small. It's the second year actually that we just um, passed up. But we're so close. And we always, what we do is when we get tables, we get them close by to each other. So if they don't want something off my table, I'm going to go and introduce them to another author. Now, do you know how special that makes a customer coming to your table? It's like, I'm not going to hassle you to buy my stuff. What do you like to read? You know? Um, And I think the biggest mistake I've seen this all the time, authors say, do you like to read? And I'm like, well, they're standing at your table. I mean, they obviously know what a book is. So what I ask, (laughs) what like to read? And then I, you know, I, I go through my books and I tell, you know, based on what they want and what they need. And then if they don't, if I don't have anything, then that's fine. I walk them over to, you know, Jay's table and I'll say, let me introduce you to her because you said you like creature books. This is the queen of creature right here. She's got anything you want, tentacles, feathers, you know, claws, whatever. She's got it. And then if she, you know, if they want something that's more, you know, zombie or, you know, uh, Frankensteinish, whatever, she comes over to my table and just learning to talk to people and not treating them as, I mean, think about it. When you walk into a, a car dealership, do you want them swarming on you? Or you want somebody to actually talk to you and find out what you want. And, right. and I think authors get afraid they get behind that table and then they're like, it's an invisible boundary, you know? So I always tell my authors, just be real and make connections and friendships in the industry. And, it, you know, we went to this convention and we sold... I mean, lots of books. I, I ran out of them, so it pays off to be genuine. Yeah, I think I think that kind of spreads to to like I said, any any form of media or really just life in general. The more genuine you are, right. the better things go. Um, exactly. Let's talk about the unflushed tale of the autopsic bread, which I have to, I have to say I was genuinely impressed. <laughs> oh, <thank you. laughs> um, I've read a lot of submissions for this cast and I can, I can say that this was the first that I I felt was like truly uh, uh, gothic in a tradi- traditional sense. Um, oh, so it's, it starts like with, with a hell of a gory bang, which obviously grabs my attention immediately because I'm, <laughs> I'm a big gore fiend, but uh, it builds up with a great amount of tension throughout the course of the book. And I especially liked, uh, Morgan and kind of how she, you portrayed her. Um, it was kind of an intimate perspective that you went with with her. Um, yeah. What was your inspiration for her character? Obviously, uh, Bride of Frankenstein. She's my favorite mm-hmm. um, of monsters. Um, I love Mary Shelley. I think that she empowered women. Uh, my dad was also a transplant patient um, for kidney. His he had kidney failure, and so one of our special bonds was Frankenstein because he's like who would have thought you know back when in Mary Shelley's time that you know she basically was writing about organ transplants and bringing this man back to life and you know he was under the doctor's command basically I mean he rebelled at the end obviously but he he was under this doctor's command and then when the bride of Frankenstein came along she was like man you're not gonna tell me what to do so it was like the original girl power you know (laughs) 
She's like, I don't want him. I want him, you know, but so that was my inspiration. And um, unfortunately, I didn't finish that book until after my dad passed. So, um, you know, it's dedicated to my family and, and, of course, my father. Oh, that's a shame. I'm sure he would have loved it if he had the opportunity to read it. Uh, but uh, the villain, Angus Wolf, he's he's <laughs> he's genuinely creepy. Uh <laughs> Both, both, both of the way you describe him and kind of like how he, how you describe his actions. I mean, like this is pretty yeah. on, early on in the book, but there's, you know, there's a scene where he's, he's, he's watching Morgan from afar as she's standing around in the, I guess in the, the uh, shops and, and it's just so creepy. That whole scene seems so voyeuristic. Uh, and I love that. I love that he has this seedy vibe about him on top of this like in, sinister intelligence and all these like, mm-hmm. you know, other things that he's got going on for him. Um, so what, I got to ask, what's your what's your source of inspiration for him? Where did where did all that come from? Angus is, you know, they probably a part of my dark side. So you know, we get angry or we get you know enraged about things or we get fixated on things. A lot of that I had to dig really deep into my own dark side, but. Not all of it, thank God, right? right. Um, some <laughs> came from, yeah, some of it came from um, Hannibal, actually. He's, okay. uh, Hannibal is my favorite book of all time, out of all genres of all, all time. Thomas Harris came up with Hannibal. And, you know, I mean, I was, I think I was 14 when the movie came out. And then I was like, mm-hmm. I have to have this book. Mm-hmm. And I have three copies of it because I've gone through it so much. So what I loved about it was the fact that he made this intelligent, you know, what we see monsters all the time. Uh, we see serial killers and humans are probably, you know, humans are the worst monsters there are and their capabilities are beyond our comprehension sometimes. So right. having a an apex predator human that has the intelligence and the means, especially in a time like, you know, back during, you know, time of the plague where you know, there wasn't a whole lot of rights of the people and they weren't really respected as as far as their thoughts, unless they were somebody having the opportunity and uh, taking advantage of his position. I thought, how much worse can it get really? Right. Okay. Uh, The, the setting itself also is incredibly Mm -hmm. flushed out. Um, I really like how, how kind of like vivid you make it seem throughout the entirety of the book. Uh, What was your research process like kind of ensuring that that world felt real? A lot of research. And, you know, I get dinged on this and I, I'm always open to constructive criticism and I'm always open to people telling me they don't like it. Um, But I've done a lot of research on it. And what I try to portray with, Angus was that number one, um, the secrets of how they dealt with the plague further on in history came from him. So if you didn't, if people didn't come away with that, then that's my fault. I should have probably done something better with that. But I do get some people who are like, no, that's not, they didn't do that until later on. And I'm like, but remember the book, you know, he right. had the book, he had the means, he was world traveled. So I went back and basically read everything that I could on the plague. I, I mean, I watched movies, I watched documentaries, I think probably for at least a year, every day I had something in my hand, whether it be a document documentary book or whatever. I was in the library all the time reading everything that I could about, um, you know, during the plague and also England. And I have friends that are in the UK, so I'd ask them, you know, certain questions and, 
um, you know, just from what I could gather, having never been there myself of, you know, let's, you know, let's think there's plague, there's dirt, there's filth, um, you know, they're on a, you know, on a pier uh, in some of the scenes. So, you know, mix that smell with fish, you know, I mean, there's just so many things that would assault people's senses that I was like, you know, you have to bring all five senses into a story. And so that's where I went with it. Yeah, I think I think you did a fantastic job with it. I'm not going to ding you at all. So don't, don't <laughs> think that that's coming from me. Uh, no. But, oh. but uh, the, you know, we're speaking of the plague. It's a, it's a pretty central figure of the novel, and it's almost kind of like lingering in the background just as much as Angus does, uh, especially <laughs> in the beginning. Um, so was it your intention to, to make it feel just as much like a like, – or to characterize this plague, I guess, uh, just as much as you did everything else? Yeah, I have a fascination with plague doctors. And so I really this story, you know, like I said, I I wanted to take all the things that I loved and just pour that out into the story. And, um, you know, having a plague was a perfect mask for him to really sneak around and in the open. Yeah, yeah, I think it was a great, great tool for him to kind of uh, bounce from from scene to scene and and, yeah, just get away with everything that he's getting away with. (laughs) And then then taking that that he's already a very sick twisted man and then the fact that i was isolating him because you know they isolate him for you know 30 days mm-hmm. at a time and to isolate him with that madness and that longing for you know his target it, can you imagine how messed up that person would be just every you know you have people that are in prison and you know they they have you know especially in joliet and in, in illinois joliet they have these little tiny cells and they're in there all day every day but they cannot get out you know they may act out on each other they may act out and riot but they cannot get out and act out those um things that they're going through or they need to get out for whatever reason um but angus gets out every 30 days Mm -hmm. and so all those things that he has been has built up you know now he's like uh you know a lion loose in the jungle so yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that's actually a great way to to kind of describe him as is this lion that's just running free amongst all these lambs. Uh and exactly. I think I think it's great. I think I think the whole thing the whole the whole book was really really fantastic. Um So I got to ask are you working are you working on any other projects? Uh you personally, not obviously I'm you know, you're you're constantly working with everything on Stitch Smile, but you personally are you working on anything currently? I am uh, myself and a few other authors. So I have Jay, like I mentioned before, Jay Mazer, Jessica Rainey, um, and uh, Ashley and Donnell. We are all working on a. Uh, it's called Umbra, so it's dark magical creatures. So okay. I wanted to take that love of you know our our special fairies and things like that, and really go dark with it. Um, so each one of us will have a mini novella put together in this book for that, and that one's almost done. And I also have one called The Unhowling, which is Viking werewolves. Oh, okay. <laughs> that sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah, that's that's been my baby for a while. And then I have another one um, that I've been working on for a few years. That one I'm, I don't have a time limit on. I'm just kind of enjoying the writing on that one, um, which is my alter ego. Um, she, It's called Ex Coriar, and it's my female assassin. Okay. All right, mm-hmm. so you're kind of like all over the place with everything. You're not just limiting yourself to just horror. I kind of butterfly around. Maybe moth is a better word, but <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. You're not pigeonholing yourself. Uh, so, what's next for Stitch Smile? Uh, what are the ultimate goals? I guess for this for this publishing house. 
Well, we have actually just started getting our books into actual bookstores. So we, we've talked to uh, Barnes & Noble, and they've picked up 2124 and a couple of our other books. So we're just well, right now trying to... Congratulations. Thank you. We're trying to get our authors in there for uh, meet and greets and signings and things of that sort. Um, our authors are getting out more. We are trying to get to the point where Stitch Mile can buy the table and our authors can all kind of hang out. We did that last year at Scares That Care in Virginia, and it was an absolute blast. So we all got one big... You guys um, were at Scares on- That Care last year? We were, yeah. With um, oh. Well, this past year. This past year. Right, we right, there. right. In um, August. So we were- Yes. Yeah, and we were th- we were there too. It's it's interesting. I don't, I don't recall bumping <laughs> I was into you. Running around. How'd you miss me? I, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, I had some, somebody just call, Michelle Pfeiffer. Michelle Pfeiffer. So <laughs> that particular Catwoman outfit. Um, so we were next to. Um, um, I'm drawing a blank. We were next to. Well, I had Mike Duke on one side. Right. And All Things Zombie was on the other side. So I was right next to them on the first floor. Did you attend no, the, the author's rap party at the end? No, I didn't. Okay. You know, we were we had nine authors with us for that. And we had this big B&B condo. And we had so much fun. We just we were so excited just to get home. And we right. just had a well, home, our home away from home. We were so excited just to get back to the hotel and or condo, whatever, and just chat and whatever. If you look on our... Um, Facebook page. It's our header. We were all sitting around the table, and I think that pretty much embodies who we are. It's so um, it's you know, picture is a thousand words. I think it's a million in that picture. We had so much fun, and we're going to do it again this next year coming up. Yeah, we're looking at, at trying to get a, a a booth for next year as well. So we'll definitely have to to catch up and and meet definitely. each other face to face. Finally, yeah. I don't know how I missed you in the Catwoman costume. That's blowing me away. <laughs> It was pretty busy, I have to say. Like, you know, it was, it, we had so much fun with, you know, Sons of Anarchy cast too. And, uh, you know, just everybody that was there, we had, I mean, it was, I have to give Joe credit for that, for that convention because not only is it such a good cause, but it was fun. Yeah. Joe's it, such an amazing guy. He really was. Yeah. I mean, like, you just talk, talk about one of the most warming, like, warm, mm-hmm. uh, just he's full of heart that guy i mean like he he made that was our first year attending right and uh you know it just made us feel like we we had been attending since it since inception you know like right <laughs> it was it was a lot of fun being there um and i'm glad to hear you're gonna be back there next year so we can we can meet face to face uh but how can people submit their works if they're interested right now um we so just a quick note before I go into that, we are slower than a lot of the other independent houses. So people should know that first before they submit. Um, we go through three phases. I should say three editors when we go through our editing phase. So you'll have your original, you know, if you have a mentor, you'll have your mentor and then you'll go to your first editor and then you go to the second editor and then you have to cross the goddess of editing, which is Donnell. So um, we really rake through all the submissions so if you're brave enough and you want to go ahead and submit you can go to our website uh and you can look up submissions on there but basically you just send it to submissions at stitchsmilepublications.com okay and we'll be sure to put all that in the the uh podcast description as well so people can check that out directly from there if they'd like um lisa it's been a real pleasure talking with you and and thank you again for being on the cast uh is there anything you'd like to plug before we sign off anywhere uh, i know you guys are all over social media where can people find you there 
So we're on Twitter. Um, if you look up House of Stitched, pretty much anywhere you'll find us. Um, if you want some snippets of our audiobooks, you can go to SoundCloud at you know, and of course uh, House of Stitched. And we also have some freebie short stories on our WordPress, which would be um, you know, WordPress. I think it's what has it go backwards stitchsmile.wordpress.com. Yeah. <laughs> so you can go there. Um, we we really try to have our authors, you know, give a little sample of their writing style so they can check out them and on our website you can also look at free samples of the um, the digital books um, and let's see we're on Twitter Instagram House of Stitched we don't understand Snapchat so I'm sorry there's no Snapchat <laughs> <laughs> it's alright I'm, I'm still figuring it out too <laughs> yeah I <laughs> It's like, I, I don't get it. You might see like a, a, a flash of my eyeball or something. I don't know. But um, a lot of our authors are on Twitter. Um, James Matthew Byers is our dark bard. And he does a lot of um, medieval style. So uh, Arthurian um, type poetry. And so he's on Twitter all the time. And um, 2124 just came out. So big shout out to them. Uh, David Court has Scenes of Mild Peril, which is a really fun, exciting sci-fi type uh, anthology that just came out. We do um, dark poetry, dark fiction, and you guys should just come check us out because I'm sure we have something for you. Okay. Yeah, it sounds like you guys have something for everybody. Uh, On that note, we'll wrap this up. And Lisa, thanks again for being a part of this. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. Thank you.